<laughs> I love it, man. I love it. That's our first one. That's our that's, that's our a... first bass guitar. Yeah. Or guitar at all. Right here, hey. man, in the in the Skylux Studios. That's our first. Jeff, thank you very much, man. Yeah, no problem. Really no problem. appreciate that, man. So we've got an interesting talk. That Maybe. was wicked. I, uh, I, I really wish you brought your amp. That would have been <laughs> no, I know, sick. I, I could have all kinds of cool Can stuff you pass that into our system? No, that wouldn't work, would it? I don't know. I'd I probably clip and do all kinds of weird stuff. Oh, okay. All right. So well, we won't explode just yet. <laughs> so, Jeff, thank you so much, man, for being a part of the show. And we really appreciate that intro, man. Like, honestly. I saw I saw the bass guitar starting to smoke. I knew there was going to be trouble. Oh, <laughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. So, Jeff, you're at, at proper underscore painting. Yes. Yes. And to get a hold of you, properpainting.quote at gmail.com. Yes. Take a guess, Carlito. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about <laughs> painting. painting. <laughs> no, not base painting. Base painting. Base painting, yeah. base finish painting. painting, all kinds of But painting. that's true. It is base painting. Base painting. <laughs> so we really appreciate you being here. We've got a lot to talk about. But first, Carlito. We have history with Manny. <laughs> hey, Carlito made that meeting this week. <laughs> so... I want to ask you, gentlemen, who invented the first spray paint compressor? Ooh. And what year, or more or less, what century, we are going back? Like electrical or, or something kind of? Uh, this is a compressed, uh, compressed use of okay, compressed so... air for spray painting. Who invented that device first? I'll let him go first. And when? When do you think it was? This is, a, this is way back. I want to say probably something to do with Greco, right? Because they're a pretty big company. Even further back than that, you'd be surprised who actually. Took I'm gonna it. tell me when I'm up. Go. I only have a funny feeling about this because we we do history a lot. You've been getting better at it. I'm surprised. Oh, <laughs> you're surprised, are you? <laughs> no. One more try, Jeff. Come on. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, I'm trying to think of the companies in my head, and maybe one of them might be something that you can go back on, but I, I wouldn't even know. And you know a lot about spraying. You and me have been spraying for years. You actually perfected my spraying. <laughs> Did I? Yeah. <laughs> How many times my spray gun clogged or no, I needed it fixed and you fixed it? So I'd expect you to know this one. I don't know. I'm digging deep, but I just I don't know where it is. You're going to take a guess? Okay. I'm going to go with Sherwin Williams. Uh, you're both wrong. Damn it. It was an, an individual by the name of Joseph Binks. He was a maintenance supervisor at the Chicago's Marshall Fields Wholesale Store. This is a local mom and pop shop guy. Get out of here. This was 1880s. In 1887, he wow. came up with this. That's the first time. And it was electric? It was an electric compressor sprayer. And then who invented the airless uh, paint sprayer? Now, this is a recognizable company. I would uh, probably say Greco or Sherwin. Probably Greco. Wagner. Get out of here. Oh. 1946, Joseph Wagner. Begins wow. trading machines, tools, and other goods, and he started with that. He just never perfected it. Nope. First, first, <laughs> first electric spray gun, 1953. Wow. And then the first diaphragm type airless sprayer. I don't even know what that is. You're gonna have to explain that to me. 1964. So we go way back. Mom and pop guy shows up, comes up with it. Then the big company Wagner takes it. I've had a Wagner sprayer. It was a little pot. Uh, it was a little pot sprayer for fences. Never used it. Yeah, it was, it was annoying. <laughs> it so, was a pass me on. That was history with many. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on with the show, man. Let's talk about some painting. So, Jeff, how long you been in the biz? Oh, I want to say close to seventeen years now. Wow. Seventeen years yeah, around there. All painting. Yeah. I mean, I've dabbled in other little things here and there, but nothing, it's always been painting. Prior to that, it was other 
crappy day jobs, right? Like, you know, warehousing and then got into painting from a few friends that I knew and just kind of worked my way up the ladder, I guess. Any reason why you got into painting? I wanted to get away from warehousing. I hated that. It feels so weird because I really only was in warehousing for like a few years, but it feels like it was such like, like I'm 65 and I didn't, <laughs> and I didn't start painting until I was 47. <laughs> Right, and like, but like, so hang on, it's like 17 years ago, you felt like you were 65. No, no, I'm saying, like, whenever time I think about the warehousing stuff that I did, it still feels like it was like a drag. Like we a all huge, done this. I mean, those, yeah, those, yeah. Those, they, those everybody cycles through it. Suck, but like the, the everywhere else I went to, maybe two years at most, I have a last that, and it always felt like I was there for 10 years each. Was that the same warehouse that you know, if a half decent looking woman would walk in? Every guy would notice her. <laughs> Just, yeah. That kind of environment. I think the, yeah, the last one I worked at, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, well, when you're looking at boxes all day. <laughs> <laughs> so Get 17 it? years, 17. <laughs> I just got it right now. <laughs> 17 years. Paintings changed dramatically oh, yeah. in 17 years. Dude, man. it's got to be longer than 17 years. You and me have been painting together for well over 15, have we not? Yeah, but I would say. I'd, yeah, I'd say 17, though. Maybe maybe 18 years. I don't know. I had come back to Toronto in early 2000s. How I got into it is I met uh, my buddy Kent and Craig, who hired me. That's on, Craig Lowe. Yep, who yeah. hired me on to be a painter. We met through music, and we had a band together for a short while. And then at some point, Craig kind of, or Kent convinced me to come on with him and Craig, you know, get out of the warehousing gig. And that was a big leap for me at that time, because I was... Like, I don't know, I may be making $10 at most back then. You know, I was like running the shipping department or something like that. And then, um, you know, they're offering me to come on board and make $11 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> How do you turn that down? Yeah, man? Yeah. <laughs> Going into painting back then, was it paying better than within warehouse work right away? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you're getting... 11 to start, and I think in the same summer, I went up to like 13 or something like that. I was just $11 being, you know, the the prep guy, you know, putting tape down and sweeping up crap and whatever, and sanding and rolling primer, all that kind of stuff, all the all the, the kind of entry-level type stuff, I guess you would say. But, I mean, yeah, $11 an hour was a huge, because, I mean, I didn't, like, I think I was only starting to make double digits um, when I left warehousing, like for maybe that last year. So getting that, that $11 up to $12 was like a huge thing. Like, holy cow, you know, <laughs> cause that's back when the minimum wage was still under $10 too. remember, right? That yeah. was still maybe eight something was minimum wage back then. I don't even know. Is painting still like, uh, I know that we had Kieran on the show a few shows ago and he was talking about guys in the UK. It's actually a proper trade. You can study, and there's a degree, and and yeah, you're, it's like four years. Yeah, like painting, wallpaper, and all this stuff. But that's not applicable here in North no. America. Well, how does a one painter become a painter? Like you just you get on I a think crew. You just, yeah, you just get in there, kind of. You just find someone to hire. I mean, there's so many companies out there, and you see so many people who do it who shouldn't even be doing it. Got- <laughs> well, that's the stigma, right? So that's what I wanted to get to is that, and I've had these arguments with clients. They think that they can do it. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but painting, if not, is the most important because it's the finish, man. I find in, in metropolitan type areas, so cities, GTA, that kind of stuff, painting's taken more serious where, you know, if you've been at it a long time and if you can prove to the customer you're doing it well, they'll 
they'll pay you all kinds of money. But I find the further you get away, it is that everybody thinks they could do it, and they do do it. Like you try and go and tell someone you're going to charge them $25 an hour past Barry, they're going to tell you to fuck off, and they're going to get their Uncle Gary to do it on the weekend for a carton of smokes <laughs> and a case of beer, right? Like Uncle that's- Gary and Barry. Uncle Gary and Barry. Yeah, but the beer counts. <laughs> this thing, they're gonna, what do you mean? I can go to Canadian Tire, grab a whatever can for 25 bucks and get Gary to paint it on Sunday, right? And it's just, there you go. It's not true, man. Yeah, I know. It's not true. <laughs> no. We know that painting, 90% of it, if not more, 95% of it is not painting. It's the prep. Yeah. Uh, honestly, oh, yeah. I think it's probably one of the, the most important parts of the whole job. Uh, you, it's one of the you, most you important traits. To, you have to cover up the trim guy's work. You have to make trim look perfect. Yep. You have to fill all their nail holes. You have to cock all their imperfections, their spaces. You have to, you know, make sure that the floors are clean because you're going to get blamed for it as the, as the contractor. Oh yeah, big time. Especially yeah. if it's a new build, a new house or anything like that. Anything on that floor, if it remotely resembles paint, you're in trouble. But yeah. then half the time I find is people moving. It's crap being kicked up maybe it is something like it was a paint chip and then someone stepped on it or whatever right but yeah you know you're right like soon as that paper comes up and you're still kind of painting everything's your fault right no joke you're the last man standing yeah pretty much last person there what are the what do the mutters say so the drywaller Mm -hmm. says don't worry the mutter will take care of it and then what does the mutter say the painters take care of the painters will take care what do the painters say (laughs) Fuck them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, there's so much. I think a lot gets dumped on painters. And I think probably. Oh, I agree, man. Because then you get, I mean, I've never seen a real build go perfectly. I've seen a few of them go pretty close. But you get somebody changes something, then all of a sudden you're fixing holes in the ceiling because the electricians had to move the pot lights again or something like that. And then it becomes your fault. Like, they're not going to patch it up and, like, say, okay, can you just sand this and, pa- and paint it? It's just awful. Well, electricians and HVACs and plumbers, yeah. <laughs> they, they don't know how to fix drywall. Yeah. Well, they know how to destroy you, it. You, you said something really important. Uh, a lot of people do something that they don't realize they're doing. When it comes to plumbing or electricians, when they handle silica or uh, an oil product and they leave it on the wall and they don't see it or they wipe their dirty hands on the wall, yeah, they don't realize that that is an imperfection at, at painter's level and now we're stuck fixing it right yeah big time and uh, i mean i get it right i mean you, you know you can't you're going to leave some dirt behind and there is a certain level you can get to this is considered a touch-up but then sometimes it goes overboard and then everything's a touch-up it's like well it's not a touch-up it's called a repaint because i did this three times already <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's just i don't know no that's true let's talk about that what lot- are some of the little sneaky tricks that clients and or designers will try to pull or pawn it's always you. after this. It's usually the move. That, that's the one that bothers me the most. Because realistically, if you want to get down to the definition of a touch-up, it's, it should be because I did something wrong or the application of the paint or something happened to the paint. I don't think that touch-ups are, well, we decided to move in on the Friday and then like the weekend after, now I have to go in and fix all the walls <laughs> because you smashed it. That's not a touch-up. That's me fixing something. <laughs> you know? so. I totally agree. So what do you do at that point? Do you, you have an honest conversation it. with them? You, just, or? you try to, but I mean, again, if it's just the one time or if it's just the one ding or the one staircase, you just do it. But when it gets to the customer, you know, I've seen over, I've lost times throughout the years who they keep, Everything's a touch up. Everything, like, you know, because now you still have to last wash them the paint because whatever, it wasn't ready yet. So you still got to come back and paint that wash them. Now you got to go and take care of 50 other things upstairs. And they kind of keep finding ways that every time you got to come back for the one thing you still got to do, there's 
more stuff downstairs. There's more stuff over here. So they get those people that try and sneak it in with, with something that does have to be done. And then you got to find a line, though. You got to, yeah, you do have to talk to them. And most people are kind of cool, but then you still get somebody who's like that last third of the down payment or they're not going to give you or something, right? Unless you do this. And you have to do it. You almost have to suck it up and do they it. They do it because the thing is that you've come in and you've shown them most of your tricks. You've shown them what you could pull off. Yep. So they finally realize, oh, well, it's not a DIY kind of yeah. what people are normally told. Uh, oh, anybody can paint Gary. Back to Gary, right? He, he can paint. No, man. Once a professional painter comes on the job site and he actually pulls everything off, the guy, the clients are surprised. They're actually, yeah. that's a beautiful finish. How did you pull that off? 95% prep. How do you separate yeah. yourself, though, from that? You like, just be blunt. I think you be blunt with the clients. Pretty much. I mean, again, I, you know, some of the stuff I'm describing doesn't happen all the time. It's like one customer are very many the one one every year and a half or something you might get someone who's just a basket case to deal with most people are fine and you got to explain to them too like look if we got to keep doing this then you know we got to upcharge or something right or this is a considered extra and yeah i try and do i try and do that with my customers very from the from the get-go like with quote i try and let them know you know if we have to do this this considered extra you know this is two coats of standard but same time if you're gonna ask me to do a third coat on the one room, then fine. That's all I'll do. There's, there's a little give and take. It's just, it is conversation. It all comes down to conversation and being able to read the person too, right? Because if they're coming in hot all the time, then I'm not going to give you anything. There's been a couple of times, me and, me and uh, Jeff have been painting together for years. Uh, so I'll hire him and come in and he'll take care of the customer for me. And they just love him. So I get great feedback and I don't have any headaches. But we've been in a couple of situations where... We've done a beautiful job and the homeowner's kids will come in with their hockey bags oh, yeah, or yeah, scuff yeah. the walls <laughs> and, and then they'll come up to me and say, you know, you're, you guys didn't finish painting this. Uh, there's scuffs on this and, and we're like looking and yeah, you I can know. see that there's a hockey bag right beside and you're like, did you guys use your hockey bag and scuff the walls? Like it's under 30 days. These walls are like still precious. Like it's still soft just because it's surface hard. It doesn't mean you can just you know, do what you wanted to do. And if you do, don't call us back. You know, I probably tell the clients that depending on the age of the child, I would say you realize that there's certain countries in this world that you can actually give those kids back, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I'd rather have clients just owe up to it, man. Just yeah, no, I know. like, I know. okay, yeah, I get it. Come up to you, Jeff. Listen, I know my kids, my dog, my husband, my wife, my whatever damaged it. What will it cost to repaint? And don't have that conversation yeah. of touch-ups. Like, and maybe in your contract or maybe at the very beginning, be very clear. What is a touch-up and what is a repaint? I try to. I try to be very transparent. And I try to, I think one of the last quotes I did, I, I, I mentioned that, you know, um, like a half day of touch-ups or something like that, like is inc included in this, which hopefully, uh, I, you know, half day touch-ups on my end would be a lot. Even when I do go back and do touch-ups, I don't, I'm rarely ever there for like a day and a half. So I would like to think if I'm taking care of this job just myself, I should only have maybe a half day of touch-ups, right? So then, and I, like I said, you, it's push and pull. So you have to eat some of them. But what but are touch-ups? Realistically, like I was saying earlier, I, I, it should be a defect within the paint or the application of doing it. Or, like, or maybe I did, I missed a spot somehow and it's still one coat or whatever that is, right? Or maybe it's not covering in two coats for because whites have been problematic lately and I do have to do a third coat on this door. That to me is considered a touch-up. And the odd little bum and dang shirt, okay, you know, I'll, I'll let that slide. 
But realistically, it should just be the defection of the paint and, and, and application or person who did it, right? So when does paint fail? How does the paint fail? Temperatures. I've watched paint actually not dry on a wall with humidity. A few years back, on a, something like a day kind of like this, very muggy out, but it was overcast, whatever. It must have been so damp in the air that the paint was not drying, and it just like it seeped all the way down to the bottom of, of the Wow. Like it actually went all the way down. It Can you it, tell me what company that was? <laughs> what company yeah, was that, that paint? No, I think that it was still Benjamin Moore. I think that was my, like maybe the collection line or something way back when. Temperature, how you store the paint. I mean, if you've got a gallon of paint that's been around for seven years out in the garage and it's gone through winter, it's just it's dead. So that's gonna Garbage. Be, yeah. That's not gonna people do don't realize that. People actually, clients actually think it's still good paint. Yeah, you get some people, oh, I have this, and they show you, like, what is this? Like, it's a company you've never seen before. There's Russian letters on it or something. <laughs> well, I, I don't, you know, that's, that's funny you said that. Um, people don't realize that even, like, compound and concrete, after three months in the bag, in a perfect environment, in a factory, can go bad. And I tell people all the time, first of all, don't put your paint on the ground. Put some rigid styrofoam in there. It should be in, in a warm area. If you do try to want to salvage it, don't forget about it and hide it in a corner. Shake it up every two months. If you want to hang on to something and have touch-ups, you need to go down there and mix that paint up. It's separating inside that can. Yeah. You know, that's a great point. Does it make sense? I know that you guys always, when you finish it, you tell the clients, hang on to this. Yeah. But 10 years later, they're still hanging on to the paint. That paint's not going to be the same color. Yeah. Uh, no, it won't. No, well, it's, it's even just because the walls are getting weathered, right? So well, you it's UV. Mother Nature, UV, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. So how long should they hang on to paint? I, I mean, again, as long as you can, as long as it's still good, because maybe there'll be enough to do the whole wall instead of just touching up the wall. Yeah. And it's up to, the, I mean, and again, you get some people... Keep who just, it inside. You could definitely got to keep it at room temperature or close to it. Nothing freezing. Yeah, nothing on um, the concrete, direct ground. Yeah. 10 degrees Celsius, usually in the back of most paint cans, they recommend, like, you don't paint anything under 10 degrees. They always say not to do with. So I assume anything above freezing and in between that kind of 22, 22 and zero, right? And that's because it's latex. Yeah. Well, it's got water. Which yeah. means water. Yeah. <laughs> what is your go-to paint these days? Benny Moore. I mean... I oh, yeah? Back. You're a huge Benny Moore? Yeah. I go back yeah. and forth. Which, I mean, Sherwin's not bad. The only, the only thing I find with Sherwin is there's too many products. Like Benny Moore, I find does a few things. They have a few other little offshoots here and there, but the main ones they do are done well, and they 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 you know exactly what they're going to do. It's really funny because when any anybody, I, I call it Benny Moore too. But whenever I hear somebody say Benny Moore, it makes me want to go get a little quart of Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, just, that's just me, right? But I mean, do, we, do designers call it Benny Moore, or is it just traits? I find it traits call them. I, I think it was back and forth. They um, just have that cool name, Benny. Like, what what's the nickname for Sherwin? I think it's they just the full name Sherwin Williams. Yeah, that's just I wouldn't too know formal. if anybody. Yeah, if anyone. It's too to formal. Me. No, my yeah. favorite. Dulux. <laughs> What's Dulux's nickname? Like uh, nothing. I don't. Do do. Dude, Dude yeah, not, yeah, you're, no. you're making up shit right now. Garbage. I, I've had no. I, beauty I tone. Had beauty no tone. lock with Dulux. Beauty tone. How about beauty tone? Butte. Butte. <laughs> She's a butte. What's CI? Ki What's CI? ICI. CIL. C oh, CIL. <laughs> CIL still around? I think they just got re I think Glidden and CIL are the same company because I, I used to use CIL Premium for doing office spaces and stuff. It was a great price point and it worked well. And I went to use it again sometime this year. 
the people at Home Depot were telling me this all oh, it's Glidden Pro now or something like that. So I think they're the same company. And the one person actually told me they literally just came in one night, cut off all the labels, and put on new new ones. Really? So I think CIE the reps came in and just like cut the labels. Vaspar, off. what's Vaspar? Isn't that owned by? I think that's, that's a Lowe's product, isn't no, it? No, no, that's a Lowe's product, but I think it's actually Sherwin Williams product. If I'm not, I've I don't know. I think I've used that once a long time ago on another HG. TV show and and I, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I I I mean, you love Benny, but I've had nothing but bad luck with like CIL and like Glitton. That's yeah. like contractor grade. Oh yeah, just slap it on garbage. Yep, that's just my opinion. Deluxe, I've never I've never had Dulux. Dulux. The sales reps are always telling yeah. me Dulux. Dulux. Uh, the only thing mm-hmm. I've had good results with is exterior paint. Like it's good stain, yeah. Some I've I've had some good stain paint with what deluxe? Or yeah, or no deluxe. Okay, I've, that's the only thing that's worked out for me. I find it skins up very fast and thick, and I I noticed that if you put a lot of paint on, it'll peel off in a big chunk, and hmm. that's just a callback for me, right? Yeah, I've grown to. Uh, how do you think about Para? They're not bad, actually. Even Seco, I actually find I like Seco. Can't remember what line it was, but uh, I used it on a job to like a couple years back. So the whites are just problematic right now across the board. No matter what line, what why are, why are you saying the whites are problematic? What's going they're on just, with the whites? They're just not covering. They're not covering, and now they're a trend, right? So everybody's got to put white on some stupid friggin' tan gray, whatever thing. When they you pick. say they're not covering, what do you mean? Like, like they're like they're two coats usually standard for most paints, except for you want to. Um, and you're still seeing bleed of the plaster, yeah. or no? You're just seeing the other color come through, or it's just not it's not taking on the color or the color. Or the you white. think that they're thinning down the paint now? No, it's the whole California Green Act, right? So if you look the at the VOCs, yeah, you look at in the back of any probably any paint. I noticed it more on Benjamin Moore, but if you look at the back of most paint cans, anything like that, you'll see a whole uh, in coordination with the really quite California. I never Green noticed Act. that. So whenever that happened, I'm gonna say about ten years ago or so, I started to notice a lot of us did. Um, I hate low VOCs. With uh, the coverage of whites, we're just not, like, it's just three coats, four coats. Like You have to crazy. put down four coats to get a solid white? It's crazy. It's crazy. Even on new drywall sometimes, um, if the shade is not, like, you, it, it's weird because it's not like it's not covering, but you can just see what we call boxing or whatever. You'll see the brush line. Like, it's just like the white is just not taking on whatever that white's supposed to be. Oxford white, cloud white, whatever it is. It's not taking shape and becoming solid. It just looks weird all the time. So like three coats now is almost standard for whites, especially since now everybody is trying to do this white trend. So you're painting over tans and stuff and you're painting over grays and you're trying to get this white to cover and it's just crazy. Uh, Now, when I quote, I quote square footage. Mm -hmm. Um, I never do hourly work unless it's um, covering up someone else's work and I don't know what it's, how far I'm going to get into it. So I don't want to lose any money. So I price it in at, you know, hourly. Yeah. That means I'm losing money because I usually quote for two coats of primer, two coats of paint. And that's all you get. Yeah. If you're a really big customer and I'm doing your whole house, I will go out. Of, and we have gone out of our way to do a little bit extra. One of the things we call, you know, rolling, but we, we do a rollback. So what you do is you, you roll the paint on the forward and then you take the excess paint and then you spread it out equally again as it's setting up Isn't and you get a regular you, rolling well it's called a back roll that's what it's called no no there's <laughs> a back a, roll yeah. because you could finish a you could finish a whole wall and you'll see a lot of weight on a paint still on the wall i'm still rolling back though i don't understand it's regular rolling yeah but that's not considered a coat like for if you've already rolled a wall and then you're going back 
That's a second coat. If you're no, going over not. it a second time. No, it's not. If oh, it's yeah. still wet. No. There's all, yeah, there's all kinds of weird old techniques and things. Like, I just, I don't know. I just do what I do. I don't try it to name. It has to dry cure and the, to make it a second coat. That's a first coat. That's just, you know, back some, to sometimes, sometimes, depending on the roller, because I see a lot of guys... We're, the shop is open. Yeah, sorry, I didn't hear. You that. got street. It's nobody's leaking. No, it's totally it fine. It sounded like a leak, didn't it? <laughs> no, it's all. Who's good. taking a shower? Right <laughs> now? No, no, no. So what I find is a lot of times guys will use ten mil rollers, or thirteen or fifteen, and then when you get into the bigger rollers, a lot of times you'll just put too much paint on and not spread it equally. Yeah, the nap. You'll I see know, the nap. And, and it pulls the paint off the wall and it doesn't leave it on, and then. You've already worked a wall in a bit, and then you got to go back. It's that's still the first coat. Well, you're going to be losing money like that, especially when you're doing. But square the thing footage. is, if you're sanding something and you sand it and you go back and you sand it again, that's the second coat of sanding, or is that still the first coat that you're finishing up? In between coats of, ah, <laughs> uh, is that the in first coat? In between coats of what? No. So if you if a you lot sand, of guys don't sand, sand the sand walls when they paint. No, but if you sand a piece of material, right? And then you apply your first coat, and then you sand it again, but then it doesn't feel that great, and you still sand it a little bit more. Is that a third sanding going on, or is that still the second sanding? Well, I think you didn't get it right on the first time, and that's yeah. why the <laughs> second one. My point is that that's not two coats. That's one coat, right? Well, we call it back rolling. A lot of guys will double charge, so they'll, they'll charge for two coats, and what they'll do is they'll go halfway into the wall, and then what we call a back roll, and then they consider that a second roll. Not me. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that do it. Not me. So Jeff, I, I, Jeff, let, let's get Jeff, off of let's that. Jeff, get, let's get yeah. right into... So, okay, what is with the whole nap? Uh, I mean, it just holds more paint, right? I mean, the more... the bigger. I know, but the, the consumers are being... Okay, I don't know who's feeding this crap to the consumers. What is it now? Well, no, whatever it is. So they, you go into any big box store, and they've got the really thin pile yeah. rollers for those really thin walls. I know. There was those Ralph. What is that? There was like Ralph Lauren ones, all kinds of weird different. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, so you got that's thick just pile. That's just people trying to, like those stupid, you cut a straight line things, and like, it's yeah. just ridiculous. It's just crap, right? There's a cell. I would go down to as low as 10 mils, kind of as low as I will go, but I'll do it like in a washroom or something where yeah, you don't really have a lot exactly. of space. It doesn't matter if you use a 13 mil or 15 mil, you can get a good look with them on a bigger space because you have more room to keep rolling and even it out with a washroom is so small, maybe five mil on doors. Wow. But I'll use a five mil roller. Like on, a whiz roller. You whiz mean. roller on doors. Yeah. And it kind of gives it almost a spray finish. I won't say it's going to be a spray Aren't finish. Aren't most people spray finishing doors in Trent? They will if they, if they can set it up that way. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, so much logistics in, involved with that too. And then they, do you have a shop? Can you do it at a house that's being a new building? Is there a space in the basement to do this? Like, you know, it goes on and on the list. Are you going to pay for prep? Are you going to get air movers in? I yeah. mean, there's a lot of work in that. But I've never seen you ever use a five mil unless it was a whiz. Yes. A five mil? Yeah. yeah. It's five like mil a little whiz roller. Whiz rollers. Yeah. It's a touch-up roller. Well, no, it's a little roller. It's just uh, made for... I, I tend to go to that now if I'm doing trim and I'm not spraying anything because it does leave a nice finish. Not a spray finish, but it leaves a better finish than anything above that. I find that the 15 mil pulls too much paint off the wall. Even though you're putting a lot of product on the wall, yeah. I feel that it pulls it off the wall when you roll back. So my go-to is 13 all the time. And like you said, which is very important to me, is I'll use a 10 mil on a Decker wall. Like if I'm painting one whole room, say gray, and I'm doing one wall in charcoal, I'll do that decorative wall in a 10 mil because I find it gives it like a paper finish. Yeah. It's, it, it's a, 
uh, a less an eggshell or an orange peel kind of look like it doesn't it doesn't give that bubbly or circular it's way more paint. patience than i got i hate using 10 mils on big spaces because it dries out so fast and it just pisses me off i'm always like ah no you're right yeah <laughs> like it does dry fast <laughs> like so but in, like you said in washrooms it's very personal like someone sitting on the toilet they're gonna be looking at the paint job one of the most important places to paint something <laughs> is in the days, bathroom. most of the time they're looking at their phone man <laughs> yeah maybe in your they're household. on their phone <laughs> i know they're on social media in the bathroom but getting back to naps like it i think it's very important to talk about this uh, I think I'll, nothing above 15 unless you're doing brick outside or something crazy. Where stucco. You need, yeah, stucco. You need something to kind of fit in there. But 15 is my top. And like maybe maybe priming if you want to go above 15 a little bit. But again, I don't know. You're still leaving texture on dry, uh, drywall, right? I use Emerald. You know, I love Emerald from Sherwin-Williams. Sherwin-Williams, yeah. right? Yeah, and I'm, I'm ultra, ultra dove poly. So I like... Uh, I don't like the the fiber rollers. I find that it doesn't give the proper finish. And if you really go to the paint store, they have a list of what roller goes with what paint. And a lot of people never never pay attention to that. Like if you're buying a paint, they behave differently. And the roller is everything. It's the make or break of it. Do you not think so? Yeah. I found with say the Benjamin Moore ceiling paint and using a microfiber roller, you get, and even actually with Benjamin, Benjamin Moore, but um, Sherwin, they're, uh, oh, I can't remember what it's called now, super paint. Whatever's in that super paint, whatever's in the Benjamin Moore ceiling paint, there's a few other lines too. Whether there's a resin in there, it kind of makes the microfiber roller, even if you just open it up a few hours down the road, it starts to kind of make it um, sticky. It just doesn't suck up the paint anymore. It starts to kind of like make it solid. Like it's weird. It's it's still like okay. You can still move it around. It's still like wet, but it's just it's not holding the paint. It's just kind of throwing it around. You, you ever call the sales reps and just go, listen, man? I think what did you guys do with the secret sauce here? Why I is think it different? Craig did. I think Craig used yeah? to know somebody. Well, I, I can only assume that change like paint changes. It's kind of oh, yeah. like what yeah, every yeah, few yeah. years, if not like more frequently. I well, I guess the same before. I noticed it more with the whites. What I was just mentioning with the resin. In some of these other lines, like what I found with that, what I will do now with, say, the Benjamin Moore ceiling paint, I'll use the, uh, not microfiber, the, uh, ah, the fake one, synthetic, synthetic roller. It, it lasts a lot longer. You can get it, you can wash it, you can get a good, like, three, four days of ceilings with that. And uh, you do that with a microfiber roller, it's done. Yeah, it's you know falling what? apart. I'm going to start doing that. I stopped using miter bond. Because they told me about the shelf life, and I think they changed the formula. On miter bond? Yeah. It wasn't working the way it was supposed to be working. So if I start using a paint, and all of a sudden, it's something that I've always been my go-to. Because I'm agreeing with you, man. Emerald is my go-to. What's Benjamin Moore? Yeah. Aurora? Aurora? Whatever? No, Aurora. I, I, think, <laughs> I think Regal. Regal. Regal, right, really? Right down the line. Because it's just, it's it's good price point, too. True. It's not, uh, I think Aura is not bad. Aura is awesome for outside, because that stuff will, like... You can put that into a plastic tray with no liner and try and wash that the same day, and it'll still stay on the tray. You got to really get it off. So Aura outside's good. I think Aura inside, it's just like again for that same reason. I don't like it in the inside because it dries too fast. It's it's too, like that thing's not going to come off the wall. But it's just I don't find you get your your money and your mileage out of it. Personally. What are the top ten many more colors? 
that everybody always well there's the whites right so cc30 cc40 I there's that chantilly lace which chantilly i lace. chantilly lace is bullshit i'm they waiting for them so to come hard. up with a cc and factory <laughs> soon as i'm gonna make up, you sweat <laughs> soon as somebody says chantilly lace i'm like no you gotta try something different I'm like <laughs> it's all cc it's all the ccs right yeah. i can't stand well, them chantilly, like, the whites in general just being problematic like we had already talked chantilly lace has like always been like that yeah. Like it's just it just doesn't do anything, and then when it goes on, like I don't like unless you put another white beside it, I don't see what's inside Chantilly lace at all. With with see with the Oxford white and Cloud white, you can kind of see what's going on with that. Chantilly lace is just like it's like what is this? It's white. Okay, Got it. Got it. <laughs> you know, like it's not anything. So, what are your go-to paints? Hang on, what's wrong with you, man? You gotta. <laughs> oh, I'm well, <Yeah>. sorry. <laughs> Oh, you're hinting me. <laughs> this is Building Code Talk with Manny. There we go. I think you left the meeting a little early. Um, I've got an interesting one here. I wanted to ask you guys the surface area requirement for building code regarding glass in different rooms of a home. And I'll give you a hint. It is part of part nine. We've been talking a lot on the podcast about the Ontario Building Code, and Part 9 is the go-to section of the Building Code. In a laundry, how much percentage-wise do we need minimum for window? Five square feet. Percentage. Give me a percentage of a room. Five percent, you Fifteen percent. Four percent is the minimum. Wow. Water closet. 0.37 meters square. That's like a square foot, isn't it? That's pretty small. Jesus. Kitchen. How much glass is the minimum that you required according to the Ontario Building Code? Percentage or feet or whatever. Percentage in a kitchen or kitchen space. It's so weird though. Is that one of those kind of questions where like the the percentage of that room, like... You got to look at the size of the room. In the kitchen, they're asking for 10% of glass. Living rooms, they're asking for 10%. This is actual building code. Yeah. This is a minimum, right? Bedrooms, other finished areas not mentioned above, 5%. So I guess, think about it. If you've got a wall that's 10 by 10, yeah. 100 square feet, 5% of that. Did you get anything on basements? Because that's a big one too. Because no, now they well, want no, more light. Well, no, basement is nothing. No, basement is absolutely nothing. Unless it's a legal basement apartment, then that's a different set of rules. All right. Because huh. then I think you need about... You, you need a minimum of 10 square feet for two units. It has to be egress, right? Okay. So 10 square feet is a window that's two by five. So let's go over that. 3% in the bathroom or less? No, so it's 4% in the laundry, 0.37 meters square for a water closet, 10% in a kitchen, 10% in a living room, 5% in bedrooms and other finished rooms not mentioned above. I wish living rooms were only fucking 10%. Some these of the are jobs, really small amounts, man. Some this, of the jobs we're painting, like it's all windows. These seem like way under. Well, this is the minimum are. that the, the code is asking for. That's the crazy. minimum, right? And that was Building Code Talk there with Manny. Go. There we go. Okay. No, that was brilliant. Actually, it's really good to know that minimum is that minimum. It's just, but nobody's <laughs> ever gotten minimum is that minimum. Well, it gives you a lot of flexibility. <laughs> okay. So, sorry, you were about to ask Jeff. I mean, you and me have been painting for a long time, and only 1% out of 100 do I allow you to pick paint in my, in my projects. <laughs> Not your projects, but in my projects. And the only one time I allow you to pick the paint... And it's always Benjamin Moore is when you want to paint the outside garage doors yes, or yes. outside doors. You'll never, you'll fight me. <laughs> like I hire him and he comes in with his, with his workers. And when 
I hire him. He says, I will not paint the outside doors or garage with Sherwin Williams. And I'm like, dude, it's my go-to. <laughs> and he always goes, am I one liable for this? I'm doing better. What's your reasoning, more. Jeff? Why? I've just, I really, I, like, again, like back to Sherwin Williams, like they do have some products that aren't bad, but I don't trust anything else in exterior with them because they just have so much. And I've had other mishaps with them, just like, um, like duration, you can only get certain sheens and opulence, you can only get certain sheens and they can only make certain colors between opulence and duration and it just goes back and forth and it's just zangy. But why are they so limited? I don't know. I don't know why. Well, it's not even limited. They have so much choices and they're limited within each one, I guess. And I don't get it. So that kind of just makes me like whatever, give them a middle finger kind of thing. So, anyway. what, so why don't you tell everybody from starting from the garage doors and the front but, door, the kind of paint you like and the finish that you like and so work okay, your so, way through the trim and everything. <clears throat> Well, with Benjamin Moore, like I said, aura for exterior, I, I think is true to, like, it lasts forever. What finish are we talking about here? Uh, so, okay, so usually, Satin. well, usually you go matte if you're going to do, like, stucco and stuff like that, brick. Then you go low luster if you're doing boards, wood, you know, face shot, stuff like that. I think the next one up, low, I can't remember now. They have different words for it, but it's like a pearl. Almost, almost a semi-gloss. I do think there's semi-gloss, but I think that's the... No, they have high Yeah, gloss. so someone says calls them satin, someone calls it yeah. pearl. But the, even the Benjamin Moore Aura exterior stuff was uh, like, other than matte, which is obviously flat, low luster, I think it's like their eggshell, and I think it only goes like... I think it may just be semi-gloss. Is their eggshell also a satin, though? Because in Sherwin-Williams, no, the eggshell so is, is a satin. satin. So that's I know, what I, know, I mean. I so like, what's, okay, yeah. can and we all pearl? agree that eggshell Sorry. is satin? Only in Sherwin Williams, and then there's pearl, pearl and satin. Isn't like, pearl satin? Pearl eggshell and satin aren't they all the same? No, no, because in pearl and satin, say with Benjamin Moore, they're one step down from semi gloss, but one step up from eggshell. Okay, is that kind of saying like <laughs> Serbian, <laughs> Croatian, and? But there is a difference. Same people, <laughs> just different. <laughs> but they look the same though. No, we all, uh, you, everybody looks if different. If someone were to be able That's to, like saying Portuguese and Italian. Yeah, I get mistaken for it all the time. Or uh, uh, Portuguese and Brazilian. I get mistaken for it all the time. Um, <laughs> I have buddies from Angola, from Africa. No, I don't get mistaken for Portuguese. that. Portuguese. <laughs> I don't you, get mistaken for you that. You know? Yeah. Um, getting back to the paint, though. <laughs> <laughs> so you, what do you do? Satin or do you do pearl on garage doors? I try and get it down to the lowest sheen, not like flat or anything like that, but maybe one step down from the uh, the middle sheen. Uh, but at the same time, depending on okay, depending on how new the door is. If the door is new, I want to say something closer to the semi-gloss type thing because it lasts and looks good. But if a door is like beat up, a little bit older, you can only do so much to it to kind of make it look good. The shinier paint is, the crappier it's going to look sometimes, right? Because you're going to see all the imperfections, all the dents all the whatever even though the the shinier coat will protect it more it just it's a push and pull right do you want this to look shiny and crappy but it's still to be there for 15 years from now or do you want so why, why is the shinier why is the semi-gloss more protective than you know i actually don't know that. high vocs <laughs> and this yeah. is and this is my thing about vocs if you want something to last a long time and you're not a hippie where you like you know, people You're are like, not a well, I, I have all, I have all these modern younger people say to me, I want low VOCs for my child. And I'm like, we talk about this all the time. There's more VOCs in your TV and your carpet and so on. And, and so your on. Child's gonna be smoking and what's the most important part really at the end of this project, what's the most important part is the paint. Yeah. So if you want a, a, a lasting product, go high VOCs. Do you not agree? 
I would say high, high VOCs, but yeah, I mean, just like not, no VOCs and low VOCs, like they're only, I mean, maybe painting a baby's room in low VOC or something, because you're not going to be throwing something around and wrecking the walls. But what about but, the plastic toys you're but, giving them and they're chewing on? Here we yeah, go. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about this all day. Like when you, when you really like. Paint those toys too. In, but they do. Yeah, dip them in oil paint. Yeah. High gloss. Yeah, I think it says made in China. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> they, but, I mean, I guess it's got to have some kind of use hey, in order to, to, to last. Is uh, anybody painting in high gloss anymore? I saw a little bit of a trend. No, it's that, it's not. It's not that. It's that other kind of paint, almost like a lacquer. Yeah. Like it's still dripping wet even when it's dry. Exterior stuff, maybe I, I've, I actually, well, maybe they do, but I haven't seen anybody ask for that in ages. Last time I seen someone ask for something like that, it was a very old lady in Forest Hill, and she just wanted everything, doors, trim, shelving, everything to be high gloss, and it looked like her place was made out of plastic. And I think, <laughs> I think it was because it's, to each his own. Yeah, honestly, but I think it's probably because that was just probably what. She, she was, was used, used to, to back yeah, in the 60s or yeah, something. Like, yeah. like it's got to be high gloss or nothing, right? Like it's, Well, they have had oil ever, back then, right? Have, yeah. have you ever used Fire on Ball? Yes, actually. I Do have you like few. it? Yeah. Uh, it's not very durable. No, it's not. And it's got huge problems with, with uh, trying to blend it in. Like you don't even, like the wall doesn't even have to be there that long. You can go back. And try and do touch-ups, and you may have to repaint the whole wall. The just, whole wall. Yeah. Well, they pride themselves that their paint stretches further, so you get more coverage. I, you know, there's some. The, the thing is with them, I find it's more because they really don't have lines. I don't think. No. They just have pre-made colors. Yeah. So I find some colors are better than others, but other than the paint itself is just whatever. Yeah. I even some of their tans will have to go in like three coats. Really. Yeah. They, I mean, they not, have beautiful colors, yeah. and, and I've painted with it once before. It's expensive, stupid yeah. expensive, but it, the, the problem I had with it is it's not durable. Like you said, it got damaged, and I had to repaint the whole wall. Yeah. I can't touch it up. No. So I'm eating the cost now because they chose fair on ball. And, and you know what? That's why I love Sherwin-Williams. How many times have we done wainscoting, spraying with a spray gun? We spray a whole house in wainscot. You know, again, a kid or an adult will hit the wall and I'll get a call back and say, hey, can you fix this? I paid you so much money to do this. Jeff goes in there with a really five mil or less roller and, you know, he does his magic and covers it up and you wouldn't even know. And Sherwin-Williams, after three months, you can't see the patch. Emerald's not bad for that. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's some products with Sherwin that I don't mind. Hey, there's your, there's your answer. That's what we call Sherwin-Williams. That's your sherwin you don't need to say the Williams. You just say the Sherwin. Right? <laughs> Sherwin. Sure. Sherwin. So, okay, so let's get into let's get into inside up houses. What's your preferences for the trim and walls, ceilings, bathrooms, laundry rooms, if kitchens? If it could be like day one with me, I get to pick everything? Yeah. I would just, yeah, Benjamin Moore. I would do, like, you mean sheens or products? Sheens and products. Products. Okay, well, Benjamin Moore, Regal, across the board. Um, and that's for walls? Yeah, everything, trim, walls. Why did you get hooked on to Benny Moore? Like, is that what you started with in the beginning, 17 years ago? Painting with Craig most of that time, he switched a lot because he was always looking for the next product, save some money. So he had no brand loyalty? He was always using whatever was, paint was working? He was using Sherwin for quite some time. Okay. We were doing Sherwin, but then it just, like, we just found less problems with Benjamin Moore. Like, you, could always, you knew you could always go there and get, grab this, and then it would get done. But, on, like, I mean, I don't want to get into it too much, but on the show, you guys didn't use Benjamin Moore. I, yeah, Did you? No, I know. No, no, no. no. But I mean, yeah, yeah. that has nothing to do with our choice, though. Oh, okay. No. 
that was that was to do with sponsors and whatever else. And yeah, that a whole other you know Vaseline backdoor deal bullshit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know what? It was a cool experience because I got to work with products I never wanted to work with. You get to see what works and what doesn't. Uh, getting back to our buddy Craig, and you know um, he passed away a few years, so I mean he was brilliant at this. He was he was really like he figured it out. He also had buildings, and he was. Uh, what I call slum lords, you know, you have units and you have to paint them, and then you have your high end, you have your medium. He really knew how to use a paint at the right value for the right customer. And I think when you say, did he have any loyalty? He only had loyalty to how much you paid. You got what you paid for. If you were a rental unit, CIL was fine. If you were a blue collar person, it would be between Benjamin Moore and Sherwin Williams, but a lot of times, I never seen him use Benjamin. I we, never saw him use well, that. We used it all the time. Um, on your real, like uh, other jobs outside the television, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, I'm glad you said that. On their real jobs yeah. outside of the no, television. No, no, they're all real jobs. Yeah. They're all real jobs. Uh, actually, they're even harder we on television. We didn't do anything. We just stood there. <laughs> yeah. um, because there's more covering up to do. Yeah. Um, Let's get back to the real jobs. That oh, are not my on God. He's turning it into this. He's yeah. turning my words around. <laughs> I, just, I just play a painter on TV. I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, let's see. Yeah. Oh, Jack. Quite the performance. <laughs> don't, don't egg him on. He loves this kind of shit. <laughs> no, this so, podcast is not about the shows. Uh, anyways, um, that's how I got into Sharon Williams. Like, I was a Benjamin Moore guy. So all my primers were para. Yeah. A super stick was what I went to. Like for 12 years, I painted all my primers. I would just go to para. What are it you using for primer? Are you still using Benny? No. Uh, well, they have Fresh Start, which is... See, that's interesting that you said no, because I know a lot of painters who don't use their primers. They're not strong. They Well, Fresh Start's good, but it's high price point, And really, I would use that if you're just going to... If you just needed a gallon to do a few things with wood or whatever. But maybe like a staircase or something. Para, actually, they're, because they got a few lines, I think, but their drywall primer is great because we're having a lot of problems with whites. So you put that on and then with a coat of ceiling paint, you're done. Awesome. So Para is awesome for that. Primers across all kinds of stuff. I mean, cover stain from, you know, if I want to do conversion from going oil to, to latex or getting rid of water stains, that kind of exterior stuff. A primer to me is like it's almost just. I've never really had an issue per se with a primer because it, it just it's just it does what it's supposed to do, unless it's like super watery, crappy primer and like it, like it's the drywall's not getting anywhere. Other than that, to me, primer is just primer unless you're doing a specific job like conversion. For me, anything that has brand new drywall or compound, I use CoverMax. I find that it. Who is, makes that? Sherwin. Oh, okay. It's really, it's bad really it's low. It's a really great price. It's very, like, I'm not going to say it's cheap, but it's cheap, man. Like, what you're getting, the value you're getting for the buck, cover max for brand new drywall and compound is unbelievable. Cover like, max is good because it's, it's my it's go-to for sure. Right. Cover's thick too, which is good. My theory with that though is like, yeah, you don't want to spend too much, but you want the cover. The thing is, like with the bare drywall, as long as it's sealed, like you're already gonna be painting the two, three coats after that anyway, and you're gonna be doing your prep in between. You're gonna do your, if you know, maybe fixing the the, the taping and plaster at different points. So there's always gonna be something going on. So that primer at first, like that's not really like I don't know. I mean, maybe I get a lot of backlash from this, but it's not. It's an important step, but it doesn't need to be that important to be that pricey. Like because you know, it's not really doing anything other than just uh, sealing, sealing it, yeah. sealing the wall, and not creating dust anymore. Primer comes in handy though for me, and like 
and for you, because you, you paint a lot of my trim work for me. When I'm using MDF, I have a go-to with primer. And when I use Poplar, I have a go-to. I don't use What's normal. What's that? What are those? They're all Sherwin-Williams products. Which ones? Uh, I use a universal from, uh, from Sherwin-Williams for my MDF. Basically, what it does is it, it dries really fast, and it doesn't allow the hairs to lift. And then same with Poplar. Poplar behaves differently too. They have they have many lines at Sherwin Williams that Poplar's knock down almost, the hair. Yeah, Poplar's is crazy to deal with sometimes because it's almost like see through, right? Like it takes on the shape of the paint so much. I've had I remember a customer a long time ago. Actually, it was one of Craig's. We had sprayed the wainscoting, everything else. It was a, it was a gut new kind of rebuild type thing, and we primed, painted so many times, even hand-painted in a few areas. And she kept saying, it, I, it looks like you guys aren't putting... Like it, it did look this way, too. It looked like... What, do you mean? No you can still paint. see the grain? Yeah. but It, it flashes. Like it was, but it, it was like it, was, it looked like it was not covering this wood at all. because the light in the hallway was also very dim. So it just looked like this board was one coat of white on it all the time. Even <laughs> if it was 12 coats, it still looked like it was one coat of white. It's nuts. What was the reason? Did you guys figure out why it was I think, doing just, I think Poplar takes on that, the, the grain takes, this paint just kind of takes on the I've never the had that problem. I mean, as soon as you get that base, I mean, I always ask for two coats of primer, mm-hmm. sand in between, and it's white. And then you start doing your two coats of finish, and it's beautiful. I really think it's the grains. It, it really I, but I, like, I like seeing the hint of the grain in the Poplar. That's why I can't stand MDF. But I think trying to tell somebody that, though, that's the thing. You got to try and tell someone who just... You can't spent... communicate to clients about painting. No. They think painting is about selecting colors. Yeah. That's what they think the process of painting is. Process for you Bostonians out there. That's just how <laughs> it works. The thing is that you can't... So if you can't communicate, if they're not willing to actually have a conversation with you about what's involved in prepping and you have the skills and the knowledge to decipher how to handle MDF, how to handle poplar, how to handle drywall, how to handle any surfaces. You are familiar with that. First of all, clients need to listen to you, you know what I mean? And then contribute to that conversation. Then you talk about colors, Yep. you know what I mean? So, and then you should have the know-how to tell them, these are the products that I've seen great success on these surfaces. So this is my go-to. And they should listen to you. Not, I, I know, I'm sure you're going to get the roles from the designers because they're going to always say that this is my go-to. And yeah. I, I'm assuming most designers are Benny Moore. It all depends. I've had a lot of weird luck with designers over the years. Because I don't know. I've only maybe worked with two that I would say probably went somewhere to study for this. But everybody else, <laughs> working I've done on King Street, everyone thinks they're a designer because their buddy helped them design a restaurant. <laughs> and they'll just say something like, this the ridiculous stuff they ask you for. I've like, Yo, how come this like is what? not what? Like, how come this is not shiny enough or whatever? And like, what do you mean? It's like, not yeah, shiny yeah, enough. Like, just just weird stuff. What like, do you mean it's not shiny well, enough? I think we did one restaurant. We did a few restaurants on King Street over the years, but there was just one in, in particular that was being uh, built, and I, I think the designer on it was just their their buddy, picking things, doing things, because he had some kind of sense of taste i guess but then like he just like i think it was the sheen he was talking about but we're like this is semi or this is high whatever it was it's like we couldn't go anymore we couldn't do anything else well this is not shiny enough like what do you mean i don't get it and just i would i just what was he looking for just piano lacquer finish i don't know we don't know because this is what i'm saying like <laughs> he wasn't communicating <laughs> yeah. we don't know like <laughs> but that's the thing and i find i've had so many weird issues like that with some with some designers out there like i just don't know what you're talking about you're like how it was not white enough what do you mean? It's not like, white enough. Know, like, or something like that. Like, That's a statement you can't really say these days. Huh? Well, I don't think people understand. I think we've covered this before, but 
there's 10 different shades of white in every there's shade more. of 10 whites. Yeah. <laughs> so like you could go into white, into white, into white. And yeah. is there really a difference? Unless you have, there is. I don't know if there's hundreds of differences. I can tell you maybe a dozen different whites. When you put them up to each other, sure. When you make a, uh, uh, let's say this whole wall, just, just stock white, not tinted, and then you put different whites on that, you will see the difference. But once you, let's say, paint this whole room, whatever white you choose, no one's going to come here and go, wow, you guys really did Chantilly Lace in here, didn't you? They're just going to say, that this is white. Um, <laughs> how, how do you deal with people? Do you always sand your walls before you paint? Oh, yeah, you have to. Do you always fill holes for the trim guys and do all the caulking? Is that a like? Is that something that you expect the homeowners when you price a job that that's included? It is if it's being like if there's if you have the conversation. Yeah, I mean if if I'm just coming into a new build or rebuild whatever, and the carpenter's already putting in the trim, if he's not or they are not expected to do the prep. Because I've, I've worked with some really good carpenters in the last couple of years where they're actually caulking and, and filling holes. may not be the best, but they got bulk of the, the bulk of the work out of the way. Do you want that? You, you prefer I would, it? I would prefer that. Even though I could charge more for me to do it, I just don't want to do it. I do do it. I mean, like I, 95% of the times we do it. But it's awesome when you find a carpenter who, A, knows what they're doing and actually tries to do that without leaving globs. Mm. You know, they actually try and get the cocky. Yeah, I'm, they, I'm totally against that. You know me. I, I like to prime you everything. You want to do that because you don't want anyone else touching it. Well, no, fine. but I really want to get, I want to get the primer on there. I want everything to swell. I want everything to, I want to sand everything before I caulk. Like yeah. the minute I put my sandpaper on caulking, it's, it's starting to turn into balls. It's starting to flake away. I don't want that debris. I just want to sand everything, finish it. And yeah. after I think that, I've buffed what I need to buff and it's ready for caulking and then last coat of primer and then paint. That's, that's what I, I, so I, I never like trim guys to put filler or caulking on. What are you using Jeff for wood filler? Right back to this, the Elmer stuff, really. I, mean, I love I, it. I, Everybody's I, using it. I like that stuff. I totally I, love it's it. So, so weird. Cause I like straight away from it for such a long time. I think I maybe used it here and there and it just didn't work out. And, you try a thousand other products and you come back, you're like, you know, this really works. I know Timbermate, everybody was trying to use Timbermate. I don't like it. No. The problem with Timbermate, it smells like Ben Gay. <laughs> like what? <laughs> it smells like Ben Gay. That's weird. <laughs> Doesn't it smell like Ben Gay to you? I don't use it. I haven't used it in years. I, I get the Elmer and I put a little bit of water in yeah, it. No, I think perfect. the trick to Elmer is do not use it the way it comes. It's too dry. And yeah, you it dries dry up out. way too fast by the time you get it on the wall I'll usually or have the trim. Th- I'll usually have two or three in the van when, and I'll kind of keep them at different viscosities. Actually, I don't mind the dry one if I got to do That's a nice thick fill. I like last, that. Some yeah. last middle holes or something like that. Right? What are you using for your cock? Um, cock in. <laughs> yeah, it's better, man. <laughs> Sorry, cock in. <laughs> Actually, this is going to a Sherwin product. They have a few lines. I always go by the color. There's the green and there's the blue and there's... Oh, you use the trim. Yeah, the green, um, light green. Alexi Plus sometimes, but I, I don't know. I try not to because they tend to spider web. I, I find the paint pulls off it a lot. You might get a good tube, might get a bad tube. Who knows? What about your friendly DAP? Nobody's using DAP. Nobody uses DAP. People that? are buying DAP Who? still. You? That's, well, that's the Alexi Plus. I was, at, I was at a homeowner's yeah, house yeah. last week, and he brings me two tubes, and he says, DAP or this? And I'm like, 
Get the dap butter in my way. Yeah. Like, I don't want to even look at it, man. I don't want you calling me back. And this okay? podcast is brought to you by dap. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know me, I use the 850 and the, and the, and the 650. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I believe in the exterior walls have to have a more flexible caulking. Yep. Uh, interior walls have a different. I know it sounds crazy that I'm using different caulkings. And even on trim, I'll use the green. It's a little it's a little drier, but it fills. And I totally it forgot. This podcast is not about you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what paintbrushes are you using? Purdy still. Um, yeah, I love Purdy's. Uh, Wooster. Wooster's are good too. Good price point at Lowe's. Totally. I use Brilliance for. Brilliance, what's that? Uh, you get a, a few Benjamin stores, Benjamin Moore stores. Um, I usually use them for staining because they don't last a long time. And then if I do have one that I don't use for staining, it kind of becomes whatever brush I need for that day. And then I'll just, you know, every time it gets more and more screwed up, I just, it becomes a dust brush or it becomes a primer brush or whatever. What's the go-to thing that a, a new guy apprentice that's working for you does to the new brush that just makes oh, the hair man. on the back here? Literally the hair, right? <laughs> just, uh, just, what? The hair on the brush? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I wasn't making oh, a I joke. I thought you were making a joke, man. I thought you were being smart. Care. I hate seeing like a brush that looked like it just was dumped into a can of paint. I know. <sighs> All the way to the top. Like eh? I, I can get messy. Why? Why do they do that? I, I can get messy with it too, but usually I get messy with it after using it for an entire Or day. it goes right down on the whole handle and yeah. it's just, how does it, like, how did you do this? How did I you, oh, able? So paint is only supposed to go halfway up the brush. <laughs> That's I don't know it. about halfway. Like you yeah. fucking soak that thing in there, you're never gonna I get know. it out, man. So how do they? Okay, what's the best way to clean the brushes then? Because you got to educate these idiots. Like lukewarm water, almost lukewarm cold. water. Well, more more towards the cold side than anything. But yeah, and I I'm super adamant about cleaning my stuff. I yeah. will make a brush last. Like steel brush. The, you know. That's exa- I'm glad that you said that because that's the thing is these brushes they're a pretty penny man. Yeah, big time. And and these brushes should last. Even Wooster, which is a good price point, like a twenty something or fifteen or whatever it is, still like why do you want to keep buying that every three four months? I just right? realized like, <laughs> there's brushes that are called Coronas, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm oh, sure sales man. are not Get doing this, all dude. that. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I actually have a few. They're nice brushes. I bet you that they're not doing all that well because no, I read somewhere that, that Corona, I don't think that has anything to do with it. I, I, the beer is not doing well. Really? Beer's not doing well. Yeah, yeah that's just stupid. People, I'm just man. saying that's beer. So, okay, now sprayer. You uh, you Greco guy or you a Titan guy? You me or you Carlito? Because I know Carlito. Well, no, 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 no. You got me wrong. You're Titan. No, no. I use my Titan because I have a Titan. You're a Titan guy. No, no. He's got. He's got Greg's. No, I. It, yeah, I got. Uh, I got uh, Greg's. Uh, uh, Craig's old uh, sprayer, seven fifty, which does everything. It does fire retardant. It does. Everything. But if I had a choice right now, and I was buying new, it would be a Greco. I've oh. never used a Greco. I've only, I've only known Titan just because that's always been there. But I've never used Greco. Tell you truth. Well, no. You use mine. Yeah. The the hand. Yeah. That's that's Greco. But I don't, I've never used a Greco. The battery one. Yeah. That's a piece of shite. You know yeah. what? It, it does some okay. pretty cool work, no, man. I fucking hate that. It's I a don't. Piece it works okay for like a few weeks on a few doors. Thank <laughs> you very much. It works okay in the beginning, and then it just sucks. You, you got to take care of it. Though. No, it's a piece of shit. <laughs> That's my opinion. You know what? I, we sprayed a lot with that and thing, And you know man. what? It's we also did. been attached to DeWalt's batteries. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and the, and what are batteries used for mostly from Dewalt? Hanging pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. What what else are there? So putty knives. What are you using? Are you using a Richard? Are you using who else is there? 
Just yeah, Richards actually. Yeah. Craft. There, I don't need. Craft. I'm not a drywall guy, so I don't need to go out and spend. Crazy, no, you don't need to know? go crazy on that. I, I, I mean, I have a million different ones in the back. Did you say a million? Yes, a million. <laughs> a million. <laughs> One million. <laughs> uh, roller cages. Are there any particular brands? Uh, Do you get the ones that squeak? I have two. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, they all. Yeah. That drives me nuts. You when you roll it, it. It's just, I know. You can't do anything about that either, right? I've thought about that before. I was like, how can I fix this? And you try and do the WD-40. What is, and you're trying to, you're going, and then you get WD-40 all over the wall. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. well uh, here, here's something that's really close to uh, Jeff. Jeff tries to separate himself from the old age painters. A lot of old painters always have arguments with Jeff and he wants to bench press them. Um, <laughs> uh, because Jeff does bench press a lot. Um <laughs> He loves taping, and so do I. You have a lot of problems with people complain about tape. So what are your tape tricks, and what is your go-to on tape when you're painting? Tape the baseboards, obviously, when you're doing the walls, right? A lot of guys don't want to do that anymore, though. They well, want to cut them? Tell people the process. That way they understand. Why? I think the only time you should ever use tape is, if, obviously, if you're going to spray. you got to tape up everything so you don't get the floors. But let's just say you're not doing that. Let's just say the only thing you're going to do is by hand, you're going to paint one room. Taping should only be from wall to baseboard so you don't get the wall paint on, on the, the baseboard. baseboard. And then walls are last, you're done. Because you could do this room. It's true. It's true. Day, Me too. Done. But people don't want to think that way because, oh, no, baseboard's last. No, they got to do it like this. And it's like, why? You can get a straighter. Like, I can tape a whole room off like that, right? Even if you can't do it that fast right away, you learn, but you're still going to save all kinds of time. Because if you do. A straight line on the baseboard. You now not have to hit. Don't have to hit the wall, and you can't hit the floor. If you do that, you got to clean that up. And you're just going back and forth with touch-ups. You take the tape off, and if there's one spot, you touch that up. Done. Yeah. Right. But that argument, like you can go back and forth with that with some people. No, 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 no. You make a better line if you do this. It's like no, okay, whatever. You know? Everybody's setting their ways, man. That's just how yeah. it is. But you've learned. I mean, everybody learns their their way of doing it. Yeah. yeah. It's time for Green oh, Book Talk it's with Green Carlito. Book Talk with me. Wow, that was pretty there like you go. casual. I know. <laughs> I'm trying right. to get Carlito on a, a format here. You know what I mean? It's, you know what? I don't. I don't like being controlled. Like taking a kangaroo. I don't want to be policed, and I don't want to be controlled. Too man. Okay, so our Green Book Talk for today would be employer appointed supervisor failing to supervise work at all times so that means someone hiring a supervisor to be supervise there, the job so uh, yeah and, and he's not there that's right and he has to be there all the time what do you think the fine would that be for first offense dun, dun, under dun, section 15-2 dun, thousand mm. Man, our, our guests are harsh eh? <laughs> <laughs> that, you know what when an inspector goes after him and he gets a bill for a thousand i want them to go <laughs> i said a thousand <laughs> <laughs> What do you think, Manny? I'm going to say 550. It is 550. So <laughs> for you guys out there, if if you are the supervisor and you appoint someone else being a supervisor and they're not there when you're gone, it's 550. It's 550 for Crazy. you and your supervisor. <laughs> and that was, was Green, Green Book, Book Talk. Talk with Carlito. <laughs> Speaking Back of to Jeff. those fines, though, I was like, we now have to have training at heights, right? Mm-hmm. So... With painting, though, training ice is almost like it's just like, how can you do that? Unless you're outside and you can tie yourself off to whatever the harness, this and that, for sure. But interior, 
Like a lot of what painting does goes all against training at high. So when I was doing that class, I remember asking the guy, he almost started rolling his eyes at me every time I had to ask him because I was like, well, like, this is what we do. We can't get around this. Like, so what's going to happen? Well, if, and he just basically said, if the inspector shows up and he's in an okay mood, that's going to, but it's left up to them to decide what they're going to say. What they're that's what do. I have a problem with. And I really am trying hard to get a ministry labor inspector on the show to talk about it because they enforce these laws. Yeah. But they don't give you solutions or they don't acknowledge that there is issues. It's There's plenty of issues. It's impractical for people. It's painting. very. Is it over 10 feet? No, you have to have a barricade. So. 10 feet, really? I think, I think it's 8 feet or 10 feet. You got to have a barricade or something. You got to be tied off. Any kind of safety. Yeah, it's just right? ridiculous. Okay. As a painter? Well, ex well, exactly. So let's say you're doing a 12-foot ceiling in a home in Forest Hill or a new house. Like a 12-foot ceiling is not that far a cry of a ceiling nowadays, right? You're right. But when you're up there on that ladder and you're reaching... If even though you have, say, a 10 foot ladder and you can reach up like you're not supposed to, technically, if that guy comes in, it's easy to do that. You're, you're you get fined. You know, what you do it. You get those jetpacks, man. Yeah. Yeah. The water. yeah. And blow everything away. Right. <laughs> um, here's a here's a huge one. And uh, I've had to enforce it a few times. And you know that I make guys wear safety shoes that are painters. I do not agree with it. I don't know what you're talking about. The, man. The I've house never met is, a painter who's not wearing safety shoes. I have. A lot of them, by the way. Um, you know, I have mine in the van. It's, it's the finished. The, the, the house is finished. There's no more nails sticking out. There's no more, you know, lumber on the floor. The place is done. The painter is putting the last touch on the Wait, wall. Wait a sec. Are you for it or against it? The painter, I'm against it. So uh, the painter is not required to wear safety shoes. No, they they are required. No, but you're, saying, but you're saying that you don't think they should. I don't think they should. I, I think more than anything, I'm they should surprised. wear a non-slip shoe that I'm they won't slip on in, if there's a paint spill. No, no, man. It goes back to the inspector visiting the job site. Yeah. Even on the final day, the last inspection, they still have to wear safety. If I was an yeah. inspector or in control of the inspector's bylaws, I would take the that out is, of it. it I never see it in force, though. I never see it in force unless you're it's still framing or, or drywall going up. No, after the drywall's gone up and everything. So the heavy lifting. But you've yeah. never heard of a painter who's not wearing safety shoes get an infraction as not a result. Not that i heard of. I mean, I've been around. It depends on the inspector. If, they're, yeah. if they want to set it, I don't know, whatever. Well, anyways. I'm actually surprised that you're against it. I'm totally against it. Yeah, but you're also, I'm also totally oh, against track pants, pants and I want man. track pants. <laughs> oh. um, but I, I want to I do want to talk about Jeff a little bit. A lot of people don't realize we're talking about painting, but I think that when when you talk about painting, something else also comes involved with painting and that's staining. Yes. And uh, Jeff is an amazing stainer and I want you like I don't got a lot of time with you to talk to you about it. So why don't you tell me some of the pros and cons and some of the problems you've seen with staining and how you fix them? People's expectations, really. That's the number one that I always got to try and dumb down because I think staining is never 100% unless you're getting some kind of factory finish. So when you're doing stairs to like a new floor and they have a new staircase, if that's not one company or like the guys who did the floor can't offer you a color code for the stairs, you're never going to match. I go to steel paint all the time to get stained from them and they do an awesome job at getting... Amazing jobs. Yeah. Awesome custom color stain, but it's never... Perfect. It's never perfect, but the people don't understand that. So that's, that's my biggest kind of hurdle with staining is trying to get people like trying to tell people you can't do that and i have had a few complications with some 
designers in the last two years, same designer that's been trying to pick weird, quirky stains for different woods. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. It's gonna look so like where that. are they finding the stains? Where is she getting a sample and showing it to you from some it, rare still, species no, of wood? Just, or No, it still feels paint, but they're just picking weird things, like almost something looks like a gray wash on top of mahogany. And it's like, what? Like that's, Yeah, it's orange on the gray. Yeah, I know. Right? And yeah. it's just like... Probably because they found something in a book that was factory finished or was done. They don't know any better. They no. didn't go to school enough. We'd like to invite some more designers on the <laughs> show. No, I know, but we're, we're talking about this particular designer. And the only thing I can think of is they're not educated enough with wood to understand that you That's can't exactly take that. This, so is, this I, is where I'm coming yeah. to. It's like it's trying to explain to people like this is stain. Right, you don't have fifty choices. Yeah, you have this choice, and that's that. Once I start this, you're fucked. And like, well, that's the nice thing about Steel's paint is like, they'll they'll show you two, yeah. maybe three Wait options. But it's not cheap, my friend. Oh no, I know it's not uh, cheap. Sometimes I go in there; it costs me between three hundred and fifty and five hundred dollars for them to to get it a perfect match. Like, I'll bring them a piece of wood, and I'll bring them on a. a why a, is it? Why are they charging you so much? Because sometimes I need to get a perfect stain match, and they have a lab, and they will spend hours trying to give me the best mix, and they'll make a mix for me. But here's the problem that needs to be educated to the clients: is that it's still bare wood at yeah. the start of this whole. Then you're applying a stain yep. that's trying to match it in a bare wood. And the one wood sample that you brought to test may be slightly different oh, than the other sections of wood. That's the whole, this is the, like, there's more, not arguments, but there's more like, they just think it's almost like paint. Like, well, I want it to look brown. Okay. Well, what kind of brown? Then oh, just well, paint and then, it brown. And they just, then they want to change it. And they don't like, and I try and explain to them. And I find a lot, like, I find more people get kind of like, antsy with my explanation of why this wood's not going to take any more than people actually listening to it because it's the thing you can stain it and you can sand it down and restain it again but wood will only take in stain so much unless you sand it like right down and you better hope it's not a veneer yeah it's just trying to get people to understand that it's almost like they just don't care they don't want to listen to you like well why why can't it have like this or why well because visually someone showed them something and they just said that's what i want perfect exactly like that but the problem is that it's still wood wood has different grains it has different shapes it has different tones and it has different a lot of things even just in like the a staircase on in one step sometimes yeah with the with the color certain different colors yeah will show you that this one step was made out of like five different planks or something yeah and it yeah. flashes it flashes different like lighter or darker like this one section is a lot more darker than this section yeah but it's still yeah. the same color it's just that it's, and it's it, the same wood it's taking out it's giving you the characteristics of what is already there what about the argument that flooring guys think painters shouldn't touch staining because they think that belongs more to flooring guys than it does to painters i'm on the fence i'm just saying well, if you're I'm, talented I'm, I'm, when we, you're skilled i'm in the middle with that because i find like the reason why i got okay with it or pretty good with it is because craig would take it on and i just started learning with him all the time and then it just seemed like there was always a stain job for us to do so i just got better with it but i find a lot of the guys who are just like we do stairs and that's it. We stain stairs. That's all. Do a way worse job than like a, a You're right. Painter. My staircase guys do great stairs. They do great hardwood flooring, great thresholds. But when it comes to staining, there's always flashing. I, I just you don't really love that word, huh? Yeah, it happens all the time. <laughs> it, it happens. What exactly is flashing? What exactly is flashing? Okay, so if we're if we're flashing with wood, flashing yeah. paint. I mean, paint. okay, so <laughs> it, it just means that if you look at a wall, it, it's like a flat spot. Typically, what happens is someone will put paint on a wall without priming a spot, and that will always 
what I call a flash. It it's out. a it's a it's flat a spot. Side. It sticks out. Like if you're looking down the wall and and you can always see that yeah. patch. Like if so, you're looking at it straight on, you might not see nothing, but you go on that one little angle. And that's because there was not enough primer, or there's no, no primer. No, it wasn't in that primed area. at all. It could go back and forth. So how does stain material flash? Some spots will like he said, if you don't prep it properly, it can just stay white. It can be like a, a, a natural color and like, it doesn't darken up if you're doing a dark color. Let's say around holes on steps from the wood boards. filler? Yeah. So because the wood filler will uh, kind of seal the grain around the hole, giving it almost like well, like a corona, a crown or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, halo. So there's a bit of a trick to that, to get rid of that. I've seen guys do the whole step. Yep. Just fill the whole well, step. Well, Jeff has a trick. I don't know if he's going to share with us today. I don't know. That's my, that's my, that's my uh, secret weapon. I know what it know. is, though. But, um, All right. So well there's, well, there's two ways of going about it. Uh, one of them I will share. Like, you can always fill after. If you can collect the sawdust from this, like if it's built on site, yeah. if you can get that sawdust and make your own kind of wood fill with wood filler. And you can get different colors of wood filler too, right? With that sawdust and stain, you could do that in between your clear coat. That's pretty cool. But that's looks, after staining, of course. Yes, yeah, after staining, in between your first or second. I always go three clear coats now just so I can fiddle with things in between. And we call that a full finish. <laughs> and then... Uh, there's uh, my other trick I, I, I do when I am staining, but I don't know if I want to share that one. Don't, don't. You, yeah. to. you got to keep yourself, some stuff for yourself. I find out, yeah, you're talking about stair guys and they, they do the staining. That I, A lot of people who just don't, what I find with people who don't know how to stain, what happens is they'll leave stuff like sanding lines. Like you could see that this wood was sanded, wood scarring or whatever, right? You could tell that the rotary yeah. uh, sander was on yeah. there, all those circles and stuff like that. Yeah, and I hate that. People don't pay attention to that. And you have to pay attention to that like during your prep. And even when you're staining, like that's a, that's as a result of what using the wrong grit. No, not sanding with the grain. Well, not sand, it, uh? yeah, wrong grit. It's too hard of the machine. Sometimes it just happens. It just like I. That's why I never use a rotary. I think rotary always shows, no matter what. You will always see that honeycomb weird circle thing. I just usually use just a regular belt sander or just even your hands, like just a little yeah. bit of, side to side with the grain is yeah, what I usually exactly. like to do. Yeah, you have to go with the grain. But just a lot of people don't pay attention to detail. And you have to with stain because if you really fuck it up, it's fucked. Like, it's brand new wood, now destroyed. And you can't go backwards. You can't do anything. You can try and make it look good, and you can, but you got to put more time into it now. Well, I also think that flooring guys are in such a... They just want to get out so fast that they wipe areas that have not accepted the, the stain. Yeah. And they wipe it too fast, and then they leave a flat... That's flat another, spot that's another thing too like yeah you just you really just gotta like i just learned over the years you gotta play with it there is no like red oak you have to leave on for two minutes white oak you have to do three minutes there's no like there's no standard it's just no math to it this yeah. this white oak on this staircase in this house it might be two-year-old well, who knows what, what like, i've always asked is if it's a new staircase i've always asked a manufacturer who's made the staircase give me two more treads of the same batch of wood that you've used okay for that staircase over samples that's going to be the testing so nice. i'm using the same material that you guys are actually used throughout the treads because they've taken from the same pile well yeah. there's another trick too and i've seen you do it before jeff will stain underneath the staircase so somewhere where you can't see something you stain it underneath and then you cover it up with drywall and you get the same results yeah if you it's get a the, sample piece right if you get to do that sometimes they don't always get to do it but yeah I've been noticing that a lot of young guys have been getting into painting. How are the young guys as painters these days? 
Again, hit and miss. Is painting such an easy thing to get into. You got so many like you know college pro painter type things out there where there's just it's all about numbers, right? We can get five jobs done with ten people, and it's just about grabbing money. And it blows my mind away because I don't I don't know how companies like that can still keep going in. You know, I guess it's a huge city, but still, like, how does it not come to an end? How do these people finally just don't get jobs? Lots of people want painted. I haven't really painted around a lot of young people in a while. That's Are you a one-man shop, or don't you have, an, uh, like, somebody helping you with the prep or anything like that? No? Yeah, I have I have, uh, I have my girlfriend help out. When I have my clients, I do a lot of subcontracting as well. And I, the, the company I do a lot of subcontracting with, they good crew, but they're again, they're all our, our age, right? They're all Got people it. that have been in there and done it for a while. I just noticed that a lot of young guys were getting into painting. I guess it's because it's the easiest trade to get into. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, because technically it's not considered a trade, right? Because there's no school, there's no certificates. You don't have to go on. I think it should be, but that's a different story. Yeah. Um, I like to bring up two things before we run out of time. One of them is I always hear this from homeowners. Uh, they have a dark floor or dark stairs or dark like a vent and they want it stained light. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why do they think that you can put a light stain over something that's been dark already? You can sand it and sand it and do your best, but that's the thing, right? Again, you got to tell someone, but they want to take a dark stained material. They, no, no, they, yeah, they already have a dark stain, yeah. but they want to go lighter and they yeah. just think that you can just sand it down and go light. With deck stuff, you can always get like a, a bleached stripper type thing. I've never done that with an, any kind of interior stain. There's other, there, I mean, there's so much more to staining too, right? There's two part stains. There's tricks now with like. It's a whole other world. Oil, yeah. latex. Yeah. Yeah. Whole yeah. Um, other world. One of the last things I want to talk about, and I always mention it, and I, I want to talk about it again. My, I was at a homeowner's house last week, same homeowner that brought me the DAP. He I was gonna. This. He bang, was gonna. Sil he was gonna silicone the bathroom, and this isn't about him, but it's about that. This is ongoing, and it keeps happening. For the listeners and contractors out there, do not put silicone around any walls around your vanity. I know. I know. Uh, because you can't paint over silicone, man. No. So it's caulking, 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 yeah. not silicone. And that's just a valuable lesson I want people to know because when we come in as painters, and we're we have to remove this, and then mud yeah. and then cock again and, it's usually and then a bad paint job too it's never a clean job it's always just well brutal. it shouldn't be a big it shouldn't be a big caulking job it should it should be nice and tight it should be like yeah. a 90 it's just there to cover the the in like the, the difference right i'm surprised that carlito's ending the show on cock <laughs> <laughs> are you <laughs> so that brings me to the next thing i can see manny already twitching um we're gonna be talking about the 10 questions what's that <laughs> What's that? You know what it is, The man. next segment. So we got this new segment here, Jeff. Uh -huh. uh, it's based on uh, James Lipton's show, Inside the Actor Studio, where he asked his guests these 10 questions. I modified it for the construction industry. <laughs> so the first question is... This is for you, Jeff. Yes, it is. <laughs> what is your favorite construction word? <laughs> like a thing on site or just what I like to say? Any construction word. Probably off fuck or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what you know, is your seriously, every time you walk into a, like a new site or something, or just like the plumbers are there, you're like, oh fuck. Right there. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> because they say it's ready for you, but it's not ready yeah, for you. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Got it. Painters what, are ready. <laughs> what is your least favorite construction word? I don't even know. It's ready? I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know. That's such a hard thing. Oh, can you just fix this over here or whatever? <laughs> 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 I 
Okay, what turns you on in construction? I actually, I like staining. I like seeing what it, after, you know, whatever, maybe a door or stairs. Mm. Like seeing the, the finish. That transformation. I, I, I really do enjoy doing it. I mean, it hurts my back at times and you're on these stairs forever. But like whenever I'm done, it looks, I love it. What turns you off in construction? Trying, trying to move forward and you have other trades, like not letting you do it. What is your favorite curse word? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what construction sound or noise do you love? Sound or noise? Do you love? <laughs> Probably just, ah, you know what? I don't mind if I'm by myself. I like putting on talk radio. What construction sound or noise do you hate? Saws. Wow. Table, like table saws or friggin' like leaf blowers or something. Like, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Well, like, this is hard because he is a rock star. <laughs> so like, like in construction, you think? No. What other profession? It could be anything else. What profession other than what you're doing right now would you like to attempt? Probably, I don't know. I mean, maybe acting. But I mean, that's not like something I ever thought about. But like, I don't know. Why not? I've done like background crap but just never had any kind of real thing that I've decided to pursue or anything like that have you been I mean, a stunt double in any porn yeah. <laughs> Morgan Freeman did not get successful until his <laughs> 50s or 60s same with Samuel Jackson he was in his yeah. late 40s or early 50s actually, comedic writing maybe I've, I've thought about that in the last five years like boy we need it not like not <laughs> how do you go from heavy metal to comedy I've always like even when I was like, you know, a teenager and then starting to learn how to play, I always said that if I, you know, I got somewhere with this, I would love to do other stuff too, like in, in like entertainment. Here I am. Look at this. <laughs> no, <that's great. laughs> what profession would you not like to do? What profession would not like to do? <laughs> I, don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. Any of the other trades? Probably anything high. Like high heights type stuff. Roofers, eh? Like window window cleaner. washers. Window yeah. washers. Like the it, crane operator on top of the CN Tower. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> and that was... That was the 10 questions. And that was Jeff from at proper underscore painting. And you can reach out to him and get an email, get a quote, properpainting.quote at gmail.com. Yes. Jeff, thank I'd you like very to, much. I'd like to say something too. Go why ahead. Don't you, uh, why don't you say, do a shout out to your uh, band and the next yeah. time you're playing. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, playing in all time soon at all. We're trying to get an album together. My band's Phantom. You can also find it on, on uh, I Instagram and Facebook. We're What's based. the handle on it on there? Oh, I think it's a kind of a weird one. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you didn't set it up. No, I did. Oh. Or no, or no, wait a minute. I think the guitar player set it up. Uh, <laughs> it's well, Phantom underscore Metal. At uh, so check it out, everybody. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thank you. Really Thank appreciate you it, me. man. Talking paint with us and learning a few more things. Awesome. Well, thank you. Get us out of here, Carlito. Thank you very much, Jeff. Really appreciate it. Find Jeff on social media at, at proper underscore painting. Reach out to him and give him a holler and uh, follow him and then give him a call and get him to quote your next job at properpainting.quote at gmail.com. Carlito, get us out of here. 
416 TL, baby. A phantom. <laughs> <laughs> Hardcore, baby. <laughs>